0: Hey there, I'm Lindsay Zarniak, and this is Players, conversations with country music artists about their interest in sports. This week's guest is the supremely talented Sarah Evans. I've been a fan of her music for such a long time. I remember having her songs on my playlist in college and then certainly after that. Um, But the coolest part about this was... I got to interview Sarah after her show at the Birchmere, which is one of my favorite music venues in Virginia. When I lived in Washington, D.C., I came here a lot. John here is one of the best guys ever. Um, You should really check out this venue if you have a chance. But Sarah wanted to do it after her show. At first, I was curious if she was going to be exhausted, but then I realized after two seconds with her just how pumped up she is after a show, and it was awesome. Um, Sarah is married to Jay Barker, who is a former college star at Alabama. He led them to a national championship, so we certainly talked about sports, but she was also really candid and talked about a lot of stuff um, about the country music business that I found fascinating. She talked about her love. She also talked about some frustrations, and she talked about how this business for her has been a family business from day one, from when she was basically four years old, but she's carried that on, and now her son is right alongside her playing in her band, so here's my conversation conversation with Sarah Evans. I hope you love it as much as I do. Enjoy. Wait, what is it like having your son with it you? About- um, no, it is awesome.
1: So he graduated from high school last year and, um, you know, he's been playing guitar since he was like 13 or so. And he's obviously, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm his mom, but he's very, very gifted. In music, and so um, last year I was just like, "Why don't you just come out and play guitar on the road for me for a while?" Because we were losing a guitar player. Okay. And so he agreed, and um, then we lost another guitar player, and so he moved up to the electric lead stuff, and now it's almost like. Um, I'm probably going to guilt him into staying as long as I can get him to stay. Um, but, you know, obviously he wants to go out and embark in, on his own solo career. But I'm loving having him in the band. It's so great.
0: But isn't this a great way for him to get that start?
1: I think it's great. I mean, you know, the experience that that he's gaining. Because my kids didn't have the same opportunities that I had I grew up on stage. Um, it was just a different world. Like, I'm from a small town in Missouri. Um, I started performing with my brothers when I was four years old. And so every weekend I was playing a bar gig like this. Um,
0: what do you remember
1: life, from that time? Like, I mean, I just, I remember everything. I mean, every single weekend we would do, um, they called them dances back then because it would be like, an Eagles Lodge or
0: okay, right, or a
1: bar or whatever, but people were country dancing, you know, 2 step in. Mm-hmm. And so um, we would do a nine-to-one show. So we would play nine to 9.45, take a 15-minute break, then play 10 to 10.45 and keep going until 1 a.m. And so I was honest to God. I mean, I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and I was working and doing, you know, country covers. So I learned how to mimic... Reba McIntyre and Dolly Parton and the Juds and Loretta Lynn and Patsy Cline. Um, so my kids did not have the opportunity to be raised on stage, but they did grow up on the road with me. Like they all, I would literally, I think I had Avery and four weeks later I performed on the CMA Awards.
0: Oh my. No lie. God, how did you do that? It was really, really hard
1: and stressful, but I, um, I had my first number one record when I was pregnant with him. So... Things were just you know the momentum was so strong and I just and I'm super competitive so I didn't want to take much time off Um, and I literally gave birth to him started
0: so women worry about that in country music also. Oh, yes. Seriously? Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Because I would think, okay, well, if you're having the success that you're having, then, you know, that that's not such a big deal.
1: You have to keep it going. And remember Uh, on the movie Coal Miner's Daughter, Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a scene where she's in the bedroom and she's having all these headaches. Remember and she kept taking those pills and and Do, her husband, Do Little, um, he said, why don't you just take some time off? And she said, I can't. You can't take time off. If you if you slow down, they forget about you. And there's somebody waiting to take your place. And so every time I had a child, I would literally like diet, get myself back into shape, get right back out on the road. So all three of my kids learned to walk, talk, potty train, everything on a tour bus.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And what a cool lifestyle mm-hmm. for them to be exposed to also.
1: They absolutely love being on the road. So on one hand... Um, it's not a a big difference for Avery to be out here because he's grown up out here. He just didn't get the opportunity to grow up on stage like I did. But again, um, I'm, I'm so proud of him and he's, he's so gifted. And, and, you know, we, we talked about like other options, like he got accepted into Berkeley school of music in Boston and also into Belmont. Um, but I was just like, I don't know. I, I I don't know that I would go to college if I were you because You know, he's got a gift Mm -hmm. and I, you know, and I did the same thing. I mean, I actually got a full ride scholarship in music to go to this private um, school in Fayette, Missouri called Central Methodist College. And I went for 11 days and I was so miserable um, because I didn't want to do that kind of music. And I just wanted to go, like get to Nashville and become Loretta Lynn. So I quit college after 11 days. So I just kept telling Avery, like, you know, it's totally your decision, obviously, and we'll support whatever you want to do. But I just think you would hate college and that you would feel like, you know, I just want to start my career.
0: Sarah, what is it like for you when you're on stage and you're singing and you look over and he's there playing guitar?
1: It's, I mean, to have Avery on stage with me is, is, it's very surreal It's very surreal because um, I just never really thought that anything like that would happen. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I didn't know that that was going to happen. And I knew that he was gifted musically, but I didn't really know what he would, you know, like what he would become on guitar and how quickly he picked it up. And um, it's very surreal. And he doesn't really like for me to talk about him much on stage because he doesn't want that attention. Right, no, right, he just right, wants right. the attention for like just to make look his his at me as a normal guitar just any other band member. But I have to say this is my son, Avery Well and it's when funny, you were
0: out there tonight and you're introducing your band and I was like I had no idea. I didn't realize it was like your brother. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, that's your sister. And yeah. <laughs> then it's like your son, right? Yeah. That's awesome. I mean what a family affair for I real. Know.
1: It's it's like a family business, you yeah. know. Um, and I also have another sister that comes out sometimes and sings. And then my daughter Olivia is almost sixteen, and she is a phenomenal singer. Like she's going to have the biggest career. Um, and so she'll probably be on stage with me, you know, at some point in the near future as well. So it made
0: me think when I was listening. I was like, wow. So you're the oldest, the oldest girl, mm-hmm. right? in a family of seven kids. And so I was like, wow, I wonder what that was like for you when you first really started making it, right? Mm -hmm. And you're part of this family band as siblings, right? right? And so what was that like?
1: You know, when we first started, we were
0: called the Evans
1: Family Band. And it was me and my two brothers, and then my parents found some musicians and, you know, made a band for us. Um, But then it quickly became the Sarah Evans Show because it was just sort of like, you know... I'm the cute little sister, like, (laughs) and, and I'll show you some pictures in a minute of me, like this big on stage with my brothers. And, um, so I've always been the lead singer and because I was the oldest girl, I was always the lead singer. And I think that everybody was just used to that and expected it. And I was also, my brother, Matt, who's my bass player, he and I were the two out of the seven kids that were the most, um, motivated we were so driven and we knew that there was nothing else in the world for us to do but move to Nashville and make it in the music industry so i had that goal from the time i was really little wow so i think it was expect like it wasn't a you know like oh my gosh i can't believe sarah's doing this it's just been my whole life leading up to that point
0: There's just no. There was like no other option. No other option. It's funny because when I think about steps I've taken in my career as a sports broadcaster, often like if I'm talking to a a school or whatever it is, I think being naive for me at -hmm. certain points. Oh my God! What a blessing. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Just going through and I can think about like, thank God I didn't realize what I was actually like saying, right? At certain you points. you would have been terrified. Right. Or yeah. right. Exactly. Or embarrassed or whatever it is. I just think that's yeah. fascinating. I
1: have a story of being yes. naive. So <laughs> I went in to move to Nashville, found a lady who wanted to manage me. She was a um, an attorney. She was getting into to music law and her husband was a big time song plugger at Sunny Tree Publishing. So, She was like, I'm really thinking about getting into management. So she got me some meetings with different record labels. And one of those was with RCA Records. So I go in and I um, sing for Joe Galante, who's the head of the label. He had recently, like probably 10 years before that, um, he had come from New York. So he signed like all these big pop acts. And he like was involved in signing the Judds and Brad Paisley and Martina McBride and all this stuff. So, but I didn't really know that I didn't know like what a legend he was. And after I sang for him, he was like, well, you know, do you have any questions? And I said, what can you do for me? What can RCA records do for me? And he's like, well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I had no idea like who I was really (laughs) talking to, but thank God that you didn't, that I didn't. And I, I was, I really wanted to know like, what can you do for me? How much money do you have to invest in me? Um, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to, like, get signed at a big label and then be put on a shelf and just so that nobody else could get me. Yep. And I, you know, wanted to.
0: You were being a businesswoman. I was being a businesswoman. And asking the question that you needed to ask for yourself. But he he kind
1: of laughed. And then it's something that we still, you know, a, a story that we laugh about to this day.
0: I have a million of those. Mm -hmm. Um, So, when I was watching you on stage um, here at the Birchmere, and by the way, so I'm from Virginia, Mm -hmm. this venue is a place that I used to come to all the time. So, this was so cool for me. Yeah, to be able to, just because I think it's great. And it's like, Do you come here and party and drink a lot of beer? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best. And but watching you up there um, and knowing that we were talking after, I was like, wow, after the show. And it made me think about. In sports, um, you know, NASCAR specifically is the one sport that comes to mind where you get to talk to a driver the second they get out of their car. Football, they get like a 10-minute grace period, but it made me wonder, what is that like for you as an artist? When you walk off that stage, what happens next?
1: I'm so um, pumped and full of energy, and it's 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 a high. I mean, I'm just on cloud nine, and especially if the show is great, which they almost all are. Um, I have such a great band, and you know, we have a, a great crew. So we're, we run like clockwork, yes. you know? Um, and so the first thing I do is go to my bus and I immediately go to my room in the back and take all my clothes off because I'm sweaty and like my shoes are so painful and I probably had on like a super tight belt or whatever. <laughs> so I'm just like, ah, get it all off. Um, and then I sit there for a minute and just, you know, cause I'm, I'm out of breath. I mean, i it's like I just did a workout and so I sit there and Leslie, my sister always um, gets to the bus like two minutes after I do. And I can hear her in the hallway changing clothes, um, putting her sweats on and stuff. So every night I say great show. And she says, you too. And so I just kind of sit there and I usually text Jay and I say, Hey, Mm -hmm. and then he says, Hey baby, my husband, Jay Barker. Um, And he always says, Hey baby, how was the show? And I say, it was awesome. And, um, and then I change and get prepared to do a huge meet and greet. Um, and they're usually, like, very big every night. So I have to kind of, you know, get in that mindset sure. that I'm going to go meet the fans. And we sell these VIP meet and greet packages. And so they pay good money for this. So I want to be, like, so engaged. and so um, And so the meet and greets usually will last, I mean, they can last, like, an hour. And I'll just stand there and chat with the fans and sign everything they want signed and take a bunch of pictures. And um, then usually when the meet and greets done, I go right back to the bus, put my sweats on, pour a glass of red wine. And then um, Leslie, (laughs) my sister, KK, my sister-in-law who is married to my brother. Who does your hair and makeup. who does my hair and makeup. She's great. I met her. Yes. And so, um, and then her six, almost six year old daughter, Millie, and my kids, my girls, all are on my bus. So we usually turn on like a chick
0: flick or whatever show we're watching, and we roll. And you just go to the next town. And we
1: travel to the next town
0: overnight. And mm-hmm. then, are you a morning person? Do you wake? Are you not on the
1: road? I mean, I feel like on the road. Um, I, I feel like for the last several years, I don't sleep that well when the bus is moving. Like. Um, like, my kids wake up as soon as the bus stops. And they're like, oh, you know, because they love the motion. But I just don't That's sleep so great funny. anymore until the bus stops. And so um, I sleep really, really late on the road. And I also feel like I need the sleep to, like, really kind of re- – what is it? What is the word? Like, rejuvenate my Your voice. voice. Yeah. And to get it back to where I can, you know, do another – 90-minute show the next night. So, But when I'm at home, it's completely different because I have to get up and take the girls to school.
0: So I have to get up at like 6.30. So when you're home, do you flip right back into just mom life Mm -hmm. and whatever else? I've been doing it
1: for so long. And like I I used to, I mean, there were times where I would travel all night on the bus and have my driver like take me to the ballpark if there was like a morning game that I needed to get to because all of my kids played sports. And so it's just a constant, like, you know, booking flights, figuring out how to get home and how to get to this. And especially when they were younger. Um, but now, you know, Avery's on the road with me, of course. And then Audrey, my 14 year old is a cheerleader. So I have to go to all of her games and Olivia really doesn't do anything, but just sing. She used to play volleyball and all that, but there, yeah, there were, were years where I would kill myself to take a private plane or a red eye flight to get home so that I didn't miss anything.
0: What'd you learn from that?
1: Um, I think I was always proud. It was always like, you know, check it off my list, um, Like, you're a good mom. You're doing great at balancing everything. Yeah. I think I was a little bit harder on myself, Where a lot of my friends would be like, why are you going to that game? Like, you should just sleep in and take a later flight. And I was always like...
0: It just goes so fast. It goes so fast. And everyone says it does, and you know that, but it just Mm -hmm. does, right? I mean, mine are two and four, so we're just at the baby stages, but it's like already my Mm two-year-old, I'm like, you're not a baby anymore. It flies by.
1: Yeah, it really, really does. And I, I love every year. Like I feel like every stage is great and I try not to be one of those moms that kind of mourns the past, Yeah, but there are moments when I do, I mean, there are, there are times when I'm just like, you know, that was like some of the best times of my life when my kids were babies and we were out here and before they had to do school and all that, like we would tour 300 days a year. We lived on the road. Um and I don't know how I did it. I really don't. Like I I think back, I had 3 kids and a nanny and <laughs> we we were working 3 times as much as I'm working now. And I would have like a double stroller cuz the girls are only a year apart and you know, I treated Avery like he was so much older than he was. Like he had to help me, you know, with the girls and the whole band oh, and crew. Wow. We would get up early for flights and like my brother would be holding Audrey and KK would be holding Livy, and the nanny would be helping with the luggage. And I guess, you know, I I was younger, obviously. And so I probably had a lot more energy. But I just, I've always been a perfectionist. And I've always felt like, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it great. And nothing will suffer. Nobody's going to suffer. If anybody suffers, it's going to be me. And so I tried to do it all. And I I always had the kids out here with me. I love that so
0: much. I took my kids to the NBA Finals one year. My son, my daughter wasn't born yet. And I took my nanny with me. And it was like one of the first times that we really went on a big trip. We were Mm -hmm. in Cleveland. And we were in the cab going to the hotel. And my nanny, who is just like... God, mm-hmm. you know, reinvented um, in our life. <laughs> She's like, um, "Hey," she holds up her phone and she said, "My sons told me if we see this man, I have to get an autograph." And she turns the phone around and it was LeBron James. And <gasps> I was like, "We're not going to do that, right?" <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, yeah. it was so funny. It was just, but anyway, those you're right. Like those are some of the best experiences, it's and amazing. it's like you can't, you have to cherish it. But it's hard work. It's very right? hard it's work finding milk and putting it in your fridge and whatever yeah. it is, and um,
1: constant. And I used to tell you know, everybody that worked with me, like you have to accept the fact that I'm bringing my kids. So no matter what that takes, um, even when I hired Dave to be my tour manager, I said the hardest part about tour managing for me is that I will need to change plans. Um, if I realize, you know, oh, we have this booked, but Audrey has a game the next day. So wow. I plan to take this flight, but now I need this flight and, you know, um, But yeah, it's great. The girls don't travel with me much lately because they're so social. (laughs) And so every weekend I'm like, will y'all please come? And they're like, oh, mama, I have a birthday party or I have, you know. So I wish they would travel with me more. But Olivia is about to start online school and we're going to start her career. Wow. Yes. So she will be starting online school in January. And we're going to be, you know, going to Nashville a lot and start, you know, recording her.
0: How do you feel about that?
1: I'm so excited. I mean, and I and I feel like I know exactly what to do mm-hmm. and what she needs to do. Um, she's not going to go into country music because they don't play females, which that's a whole other issue. Um,
0: which can I just, this obviously is a new industry for me to be learning, right? Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to seem like relative in different ways to sports and in some ways it does. Mm -hmm. But when I was down in Nashville for CMA week, um, I went to the CMT next woman, lunch and where they performed and they were all talking about that. I did not realize what a big deal that is. And it kind of blew me away. It's the weirdest thing.
1: I mean, and we just, um, had an event called CMT artist of the year. And so they decided to only honor women and only have women perform. So it was all, you know, like Mm -hmm. Martina McBride was there and, um, who else performed like Lady Annabella. And, uh, it was so like sad to me, like I really got depressed, and I I really started bitching about it on the red carpet because I was like, "This is ridiculous!" Like that we're we're almost mourning women in country, and I've talked about it so much, and um, I was just talking about it with E. Um, it's a weird thing to talk about because it's not like I'm out here like men bashing. Yeah, it's, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that country radio will not play women. And they are only playing this music
0: that I just. Why won't they play women? Why is that the perception? Because they're
1: having success with this bro country stuff. All the songs about, like, if you just got into country music, you don't know country music. You only know the bro country. And that is not real country music. That's not like good lyrics, good music. That's not diverse, um, you know, where you have like. Dwight Yoakam's voice and then you have George Strait's voice and then you have Alan Jackson's voice and then you have Keith Urban's voice and then you have George Jones's voice you have the same sounding guy like the other night I was driving somewhere and I just was like okay I know I'm getting ready to do this podcast I'm going to do the thing for E so I'm going to listen to country radio because I don't at all anymore and it was seven songs in a row of men that I had no idea who they were and they all sounded the same and they were all singing about trucks in my tight jeans and look at that girl going in the truck and the beer and the truck and the jeans and the, you know and it's just like every single song
0: is the same even if those songs say they were different say they they were whatever phenomenal the best songs ever it still doesn't make sense though that women aren't played. I agree. Or that right. So I don't
1: I don't know what the deal is. I really don't. It's it's really devastated my career, um, and all my friends' careers. Like it's just like one minute we're country superstars and the next minute we can't buy a spin on country radio. And it just doesn't make sense. I grew up singing country music. It's not country music anymore. It's a different, it's it's bro country and that's all it is. So it's almost like there needs to be a new genre that's sort of like Americana or called something, I don't know. But, you know, there's there's no place for women.
0: Sometimes it's easy uh, when you look through your closet in the morning, you know, if you're one of those people that only owns like four or five bras because sometimes maybe that might be a mundane item to shop for. I mean, maybe I'm talking from personal experience, but maybe it's just life. Um, So I'm very excited to talk to you about this next item because it really, for me, has been a game changer. Um, This is called Third Love, right? Third Love Bras help you find the perfect fit. They use millions of real women's measurements. They design their bras with, you know, size and shape in mind for what they say is an impeccable fit and incredible feel. Here's what I did though, and I will tell you, you know, sometimes it's not if you don't have time to go to the mall and go shopping, whatever, you can do it online. But let's be honest, that's tough to size, right? So they've got this really cool fit finder quiz. You answer a few simple questions to help you find the perfect fit. Over 10 million women have taken the quiz to date. I can tell you, I did it in between doing random things around my house, like trying to put some sort of dinner on the, on the table for my kids, uh, you know, and trying to, like, you know, do something nice for my husband. Um, comfort and quality, hands down. After I took that quiz and then I got it delivered to me, um, I can tell you that it was one of the most comfortable bras that I've owned. The coolest thing, I think, are tagless labels because you don't have to worry about anything that's like scratchy and all that stuff. Um, It's also really cool fabric because sometimes, you know, you think you might have to sacrifice some, you know looks or sexiness, what have you, you know, to have a really incredible fit. But that's not the truth. They've got a lot of different items to choose from. So 3rd Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated solely to helping you find that perfect fit. And if you don't love it, you can return and exchange and it's free and it is easy. So 3rd Love, they know that there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlovecom Lindsay now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15 15% off your first purchase and trust me I like it so much I would never normally put my name in with like a URL that contains something that's bra related but I'm doing it that's thirdlove.com/lindsay for 15% off today it's awesome trust me your boobs will thank you when you're starting out in country what goes into that, the getting spins and the, the work behind it? Because I think that's also something that people that aren't familiar yeah. have no concept of.
1: People the hard don't realize work. it. And I think, you know, it's the same with acting, mm-hmm. it's the same with, with anything. Like, people tend to begrudge those who have become celebrities and have made a lot of money off of it. People do not understand the work that goes into it and it's a different kind of work. I mean, you're not digging ditches and I grew up on a farm, so I Mm. know about hard work. We like, that's how we made our living. And so I hauled hay and worked in the tobacco fields. I ran a tractor, I mean, I did it all. So I know what hard work is, but this is a different kind of hard work. This is like, so the easy part is actually getting the, the record deal. The hard part is getting your songs played on country radio. And it was hard even when they were playing women. So you make an album, and the very next thing you do is, is what is called a radio tour. So if you ever meet um, an artist that's just releasing their first album and they're on their radio tour, they're dying. They're dying. Because you literally have to go all over the country and try to get in front of every single radio station, or at least every, every market that reports to billboard and, you know, the charts. So, um, there were times that, you know, like with a little bit stronger, for instance, mm-hmm. um, I had sort of been off country radio for a few years and I had released it cause I'd gone through my divorce and I did Dancing with the Stars and I released a Greatest Hits album, but it had been several years since I had a, you know, a new album. Yeah. So, I literally left my kids for weeks, weeks, and I mean, I would be gone for like three or four days and come home, and then go out again because I had to go see every single radio programmer.
0: Even though you had already been even though really established, Groundhog's
1: Day every time, except for a very few, you know, chosen like like Kenny Chesney. Is one or um, Carrie Underwood is kind of that way. Like, there are some that will just be like automatic. You know, radio is going to play it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the majority of the artists, you have to start fresh every single time, and you've got to go to dinner with them. You've got to go to lunch with what them. What are you, you saying to, at
0: dinner? What does that look like?
1: You're just hobnob. You're just you know um, kissing ass.
0: And getting to know each other sort of again or just You're just trying to get them to play your record.
1: I mean, I'm like you're like, here's my new record, here's what we're thinking about for the first single and you're trying to get them all to spin it. I mean, everything that the record label does is to try to get country radio to play their music. Because if radio doesn't play your music, you don't have a career. You don't sell records. Mm -hmm. You don't sell tickets shows. I mean, that is the bottom line. I mean, getting played on country radio. So that's why what's with what's happening now, and they're only playing these bro country songs, they're only playing men. I can't even imagine being a female that's like just starting out, Uh, which is why I said my daughter, Mm -hmm. there's no way I would encourage her to go into the country genre as it is right now, because she's not going to get played. And thank God I'm a, I'm at a place where I have a fan base. So, when I released my album Words last year, it debuted at number 1 because I already have the fan base that I've mm-hmm. built up over the years. But without, you know, mainstream radio play, you're not going to become a star. You're not going to I mean, you know what I mean? But people don't understand what it takes to get that spin. And you have to have all the stations spinning your record, you know, sort of at the same amount of time and it has to, um, sort of go up the charts at the same time. And a lot of stations won't even spin your song until it's in the top 20. Well, how do you get it in the top 20 without getting spins? Chicken and egg. So you're going out and you're doing, um, all these free shows, guitar pools, you know, um, and it's, it's bizarre because like when, um, Brooks and Dunn, or I think when Rascal flats came back out a few years ago with a new album, I mean, they were out on the radio tour doing the same thing that they did when they were brand new. There's no like,
0: wow, oh, you're
1: Rascal flats. And so you deserve this or we, we know you're great yeah, um, it's it starts over every single time.
0: Darius Rucker was saying that talking about when he decided to try country that it he said he had to just take the mindset that it was okay. you were just starting from scratch,
1: absolutely. And
0: you were selling
1: Cheryl Crow and I are really good friends. And she texted me when she was on her radio tour because, like, they she had to do a radio tour, even though she's Cheryl Crow. So it's like you would think that country, Program directors would be like, Of course, we're going to play a Sheryl Crow song. Even though I can also make the argument that that's unfair to country artists because, like, right, 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 you know, right. we've worked for that slot. But, you know, um, she made a great country record. She texted me um, and she said, I don't know how you have done this all these years. And she already had her two little boys that she adopted. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, This country music stuff is serious like it is so they don't
0: do it in the other genres they
1: do but it's not the same they have a couple of um big huge events that they want like all the pop you know christmas is big in pop like they want they have a a bunch of these like free christmas shows that they want you to do um but it's not quite the same and in pop it's different because the audience is so much bigger so if you have a hit record on pop radio Mm -hmm. you're a star in country it takes three or four hits in a row, just because your audience is smaller. Um, Adult contemporary is just such a much broader, you know, like sort of everybody listens to that country is a very specific genre, especially now, Mm -hmm. especially now because it's gone so far to this, what it is now Mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I don't relate to it at all. Like, and I am the true country girl. I grew up on a farm. I drove a pickup truck to high school. <laughs> These guys like they don't they're they're not southern and truckin' the beer and the tight jeans. Listen to it. I mean, it's every song so is that.
0: If the if it is such hard grilling work, why is it worth it? When a song like Little Bit Stronger hits. Yes, what because
1: you can um sell a lot of records you're doing what you love Mm -hmm. I mean it's my passion country music is my my first love you know like I said I grew up in central Missouri that's all we ever had on the radio was country and you know country music has made some unbelievable music in the past like songs that that go down in history I fall to pieces by Patsy Cline. He stopped loving her today by George Jones. Um, think about you know artists like George Strait or Reba McIntyre. You know, so I mean, obviously there's a reward to having hits on country radio. I'm just saying, it's not easy. It's really, 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 really hard work, and um, you know they make you work for it. You're gonna work for it.
0: What do you and your husband Jay, who was starting quarterback at Alabama when they won the national championship years ago, but yes. what do you guys talk about in terms of what you both do in your fields and how that compares to one another? Oh gosh. And um, he's doing radio now. Yeah. He has this right. Yeah, he has a sports talk show. Yeah. Um and so
1: you know, essentially we're both in the in the same world like Radio. And how'd you
0: meet too? I want to know that story too, but go, but finish your story.
1: Radio is our, our career. You know, our lifeblood is how we make money. I didn't even think about that. That's true. Both of you. Duh. Yeah. We both make money in radio. (laughs) Right. Um, so that's cool. But what's funny is I'm also an athlete. So I grew up playing sports. I played softball and basketball and I ran track. And, um, so we were actually introduced by a marriage counselor. Isn't that hilarious? Whoa. Um, we were both going through our divorces and we had, um, counseled with this one guy out of Nashville and he drove down to Birmingham to meet with Jay a couple of times and kind of counsel him through his divorce. And I had been working with him for about a year and he called me one night I was on the bus and he said, I know this is so weird, but when your divorce is final, give me a call because I have somebody I want you to meet. And I was like, No. There is no way. I'm never getting married
0: again. And, and that you moment, are crazy. where were you? Like were you had you gotten to an okay point or was it still Oh, it was a significantly I mean, hard time. Divorce
1: takes a long time, so I was well into, I mean, probably 13 or 14 months into it. Um so I wasn't in the throes of despair. Um I was definitely coming out of it and and feeling better but i just thought you know i'll never get married again and i especially can't even think of it this soon um and he said i know i know i know it sounds weird but but you guys are so much alike and he's a sports celebrity and i'm not going to tell you who it is but call me when your divorce is final <laughs> and so then so we were, were s- trying to figure out who it oh might be oh my gosh we were so cur- <laughs> like we were googling and like who could it be <laughs> And so just out of curiosity, I called the marriage counselor and I said, okay, the, my divorce is final. It's all done. Um, and he said, okay, let's meet at Starbucks tomorrow. So he came and he had like this this envelope and it had pictures of Jay, oh, articles about him. Oh
0: my goodness. Yeah.
1: And he said, um, and I didn't really know much about college football. Like, you know, I'd been living in Nashville forever. So I was like a pseudo Tennessee fan, but also I grew up in Missouri. So I was always like Missouri Tigers fan. And he said, um, it's Jay Barker. And he won the national championship in 1992 as a sophomore. And he's like Elvis in the South. He's so beloved and just told me all about him and showed me pictures of him. And, um, so I was like, okay, you know, I'll think about it or whatever. So, And what were you really thinking? That. I was just thinking, I'll think about it. I wasn't like overly (laughs) enthusiastic because I just thought it was so sudden, you know. Um, But I was in the kitchen doing the dishes. I'd put the kids to bed. I was doing the dishes. And this was like the next day. And something, I mean, I believe it was God Mm -hmm. said, go email this guy. So I went in and... Um send him a quick email. Hey Jay, it's Sarah Evans. Um, you know, so-and-so told me about you and I'm sorry about everything you've been through. And, um, if you ever want to talk, you know, let me know, shoot me an email. He emailed me back in like five minutes. I'd gone back into the kitchen. And I heard ding, you know, so I go back into my office <laughs> and he was like, Hey Sarah, it's great to hear from you. Um, and he just told me a little bit about what he had gone through And so we started emailing and we emailed like all night. And then the next day we started texting. Then we started talking on the phone and we were just like inseparable. Um, Wow. On the internet and on the phone. Finally, he was like, I want to come to Nashville and take you on a date. So I was so nervous. And again, like I didn't want my kids to meet him. I didn't want, you know, Mm -hmm. because especially for children, it was like way too soon for that. Um. so he came up and I said let's throw softball so that's what we did on our first date because I wanted to impress him with my athletic abilities wow, I love it and he was so it. impressed like he literally Seriously? couldn't believe it
0: yeah so where were you throwing softball so the- we
1: went to a park by my house in Franklin Tennessee and at first he was just sort of like lobbing it to me and talking and I'm like no throw it and so he threw it like really hard and I just like caught it and slung it back and he was like oh my gosh and like, that's something I like to brag about, like even way more than music or, you know, and <laughs> your arm, he, my arm. Yeah. And he is the same way with music. So he actually is a phenomenal dancer. Like he could be a backup dancer for Justin Timberlake. I'm not exaggerating. If he like, if he would have done that, he would have been a professional dancer and he has music ability, he has rhythm, he can sing And so he is so much more interested in music than he is sports because that's just the way it goes, you know, like you get like, yeah, music is what I do, but I love to play sports and, you know, kind of show off in that way. So that was our first date and that was in October and we were married the next June. So we told our kids that I think we, we introduced them to each other around December or January and we said that we were just friends. And then it was actually our boys, they said, um, You guys should date. And we were like, Really? And they had no idea that, you know, every time they were out of the room, we were like making out. <laughs> and they're like, We were hiding it from intuitive, them. Intuitive, right. Yeah. You guys should date. And so we were like, Okay. And then the rest
0: is history. We've been married 10 years. Wow. We get a lot of boxes delivered to our home, and mostly when I open them, I'm met with some disappointment because they're like paper towels, maybe toilet paper, diapers, wipes. Um, But the box I'm most excited about receiving is my box from Stitch Fix because this is a service that I just tried out, and the system that they have to set you up got me really excited. Uh, Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, but not just clothes, also shoes and accessories that fit your body, they fit your budget, and they fit your lifestyle. And I had heard about this, but listen, I, you know, being on air, there are a lot of times that I want to have a lot of different items that I can wear or rent or what have you. Some other services I find sometimes the dresses you want aren't in stock. They're out. They don't have them. So Stitch Fix is different because it's actually like you have a personal stylist. And so what I did is I just went to stitchfix.com slash players. And I told them my size. I told them the styles I liked. It was awesome. It was sort of like a, a little game like I would play with my kids. They had all these different images pop up um, in their outfits that are accessorized. And they even have you know shoes, a purse, earrings, whatever. Um, and you get to pick what looks are most like you. So it's that kind of process. But you tell them your size, the styles you like, how much you want to spend on each item. And then you get to be paired with your very own personal stylist. And that stylist handpicks items that are sent right to your door and you try them on, you pay only for what you love. That's what I love about this because it's so simple to return the rest. It's the shipping, exchanges, and returns. They're always free. There's no question about it. And there's also no subscription required, which is awesome. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments to get your fix whenever you want. So the styling fee is only 20 bucks. That's applied toward anything that you decide to keep from your shipment. And overall, I mean, it's just like a surprise in a box. Who doesn't want that, right? Seriously. So get started now at stitchfix.com And if you put that in, you're going to get an extra 25% off when you keep all the items in your box. So that is stitchfix.com slash players to get started today. stitchfix.com slash players. One more time, stitchfix.com slash players. How do you balance the schedules when you're both working Um, like crazy? Yeah, we we're so
1: used to it. I mean, we started out that way and also mm-hmm. we started out with seven kids. We are like, you know, Mike and Carol Brady. <laughs> totally. So we've never say. been alone. We've never had that time of where it was just <laughs> us before kids. Um, so that's what, what our relationship is based on. Like we're, we're, we're used to chaos and a lot going on all the time. Kids around all the time, constant sports. And when they were younger, um, They were all playing baseball and softball, and they were all great, so they would always make the all-star teams. I think one weekend we counted that we went to, like, 39 games. Oh, my
0: God. We haven't gotten to that point yet, and that's like, yeah.
1: It's so fun, and you just go with it, you know? I mean, we have taken the kids, all seven kids, everywhere. We used to take them all on the road. Um, Jay used to take all seven kids to a Bama game. By himself. If I had to be on the road, so I, I will. I will say I. I think we're great parents. Like we really know how to do it, and we don't stress about it. You know, we're really, really like chill. I mean, if you were to interview my kids, they would probably describe me as the most chill parent. I just don't get. Can you give me an
0: example? I'm taking tips. This is just good. like
1: I don't. I don't treat them with disrespect. You know, I don't treat them like, like, well, you're just a kid and what do you know? And, you know, get in there and get that and clean that and do that. I don't, I've never talked to my kids that way. I've always talked to them with love and respect and I, I've always respected them as mm-hmm. human beings and individuals, you know? So I don't, I'm not that typical, um, you know, get to, to your room. And, you know I've never like hovered over them with their homework. Um, I trust them you know and I, I I feel like I I feel like if you get your children be ch- before like age four um, then you're good to go. If you teach them to respect you and obey you and not talk back to you and you know just mm-hmm. all the things that a good parent should do. I feel like if you get that into them before age three or four, you're sort of on autopilot, um, and it it takes a lot of communication. You know what I mean? I think some uh, so many parents don't really, really talk to their kids. And I've always been open, and my mother was the same way. I mean, my mother had seven kids, and we sat around the table for hours and talked as a family. And I also am just about current events and life and what
0: you're dealing with and
1: everything. Like if one of us was in trouble, like the whole family would talk about it. (laughs) And like, I think two or three years ago, Avery was having, um, you know, an issue with a girl and didn't know what to do. And so we called Matt and KK and we got him on speakerphone and we talked as a family, like, what should he do? You know? And Matt was like, well, I really think that,
0: you know, that's really interesting. So we're very, that is very, very close. Very open. Mm-hmm. I like it. I very think that's open. cool.
1: But they have to obey you, and mm-hmm. they have to respect you. You can't let them get away with not, you know. This is what I I tell people at at the end of everything, like anything that you want your child to do. Um, I want to say this the right way. Like, you have to make sure that that's what happens. What you want when they're little, like, you know, um, pick up your toys, or come with me right now, or stay there, or whatever. You have to make sure that they do what you want, and you
0: have to win it. And if in it, if you had a moment like that, what was your what was your solution? Was it timeout if they weren't listening? Because
1: yeah, is- I remember a couple of times where like. Um, when Avery was, I don't know, maybe four or five, um, he was really being ornery on the road one time and I threatened him. I said, if you don't stop, I'm going to break your sword. He had like a, a Lord of the Rings sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you do it one more time,
0: I'm going to break the sword oh, God. and throw it in the trash and so I. Oh no! It. And then he did it. And then you're like, I have to break the sword now, and that sucks. It sucked, and it broke my heart. And how would you break? How would you do it? I did broke it sh- over my knee. Over. Oh.
1: <laughs> and I threw it in the trash. And he was so upset, Sarah. He was so upset that I had. And you probably oh, felt worse me than, me than he did. Oh, <laughs> still cry to this day. The the worst oh, was God. one time I threatened him. Um, when he was in third grade, and he was. He was going through a hard time because, you know, of the divorce and all the change, and we moved to Birmingham. Sure, sure, sure. Yet I still knew that he needed to be a a good boy. He still needed to be obedient to what I was telling him. He was getting in trouble in school, um, teasing a girl or something. And so the teacher called. And so it was when everybody had, like, the Justin Bieber hair. Mm -hmm. And so he was so proud. He had, like, the flip, you know, and... (laughs) I made a threat and I said, if I hear from the teacher again and you get in trouble in this way again, we're shaving your head. And he did. Oh, and I mean, that makes me cry so hard. But I took him and made him do that. And it, the lady who was doing it was crying. Oh my she was goodness. Like, you're the biggest bitch that's ever lived. This is abusive. <laughs> so you took him to the hair place? <laughs> and we cut his hair. We like buzzed it off. And he Did says you watch? The day, Could you state, oh, watch? yeah, I cried. I mean, it was he You're crying, tearing up I right cried. now. But, you're but making me sad. Oh,
0: no. so
1: terrible. But I knew that that was me loving him and being a good mom. And yeah. he says to this day, like you know, and all three of my children have, you know, but I, and I also feel like if you get the first one,
0: the others watch. The others are
1: easier because they see oh, you know God. that respect. But Avery,
0: um, I need to get a lot tougher. He doesn't I think is what I'm. He doesn't here.
1: disrespect me.
0: That's he, great.
1: You know, and and I think that he, but we're so close. Like he's not afraid of me, but he would never really like uh, disrespect me. You know, he would never be, like, rude or mean or, you know, there's just a line that that yep. none of my kids would cross. Um, so, I felt like that was, you know, loving them. And, you know, do I look back on the hair thing and think, God, that was probably too much? But... He was my oldest and I loved him so much and I wanted him <laughs> to be
0: such a good it's person. It's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. I mean, it's a great example.
1: I mean, because we're raising, we're raising people, good people. So yeah. they have to be good people. You can't let them get away and you can't make a threat and not follow through. Right. That's the key. Yeah. That is the so, key. But do I regret that? Yes, I do. I, I that breaks my heart every time I talk really about it. He probably doesn't
0: even remember it. He does. he really
1: does but like i um you know kate plus eight yes you know yes so everybody thinks she's so horrible but there's an episode that shows her worst moments and i've seen interviews with her where she talks about this and how it breaks her heart every time she thinks about it but do you remember there was an episode where one of the little ones i mean he was like three Mm -hmm. but she thought you know i've got to I've got to be strict and I've got to be. And so she threw away something that was so important to him, like his little bear or something. And he cried and she was like, nope, I told you. And so every time she talks about that in interviews, she cries. And cause I mean, it's so hard being a parent. It's not
0: hard. It's just, it's like your heart. They're your heart. Yep. You know, stop it. Stop it. I know. You're going to make me cry. And I'm not even talking about anything. I know. I know. No, it's true. And it, they're just they're just little wonderful little humans. They're just amazing. My daughter's a terror right now, but she's mm-hmm. wonderful. But yeah. I like that because she's she's quote unquote stronger. You know, like mm-hmm. she's the one that watches her older brother and she terrorizes him. <laughs> and so that, like, so as you're saying this, I'm like, what can I take of hers that I can like really make a point with? Yeah, yeah.
1: And also, um, Avery, I love that I had a boy first, and and I'm sure you do too, because mm-hmm. he. Is definitely like a, a, a parental sort of figure to the girls, mm-hmm. you know, and if Avery disapproves of something they're doing, you know, they die. They, they really, really want his
0: approval. And then you have another parent, which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would your Super Bowl moment be? Not trying to shift gears, but moving it back to sports for a minute mm-hmm. for you in your career, in your life, what would, what would that be? What is still out there?
1: I mean, I would, I've, I've been nominated for Grammys. I've never won a Grammy. I would love to win a Grammy. I would love to win a Grammy for album of the year because that would be the biggest compliment that, you know, cause I take so much pride in the music that I make mm-hmm. and I take it so seriously. I I've never, ever just, recorded a song that I thought was shit and threw it on an album because we needed to fill a slot. I take it so seriously. I take my concert so seriously and I take my fans so seriously. Um, You're
0: hilarious by the way. Thank you. No. And seriously, like there was a whole interaction tonight yeah. at the show that tonight obviously... wasn't even my best because they were a little <laughs> weird. I mean, they were
1: like, some audiences are, are much more responsive to that. Um, but thank you. I, ch- my mother is the funniest person that I've ever known. She is brilliantly funny and has the quickest wit. Yeah, wit. You know, so I, I put a lot of value on being funny and being witty. Cause I think that goes along with intelligence and, mm-hmm. um, I've tried to teach my kids to be really funny as well. And that's another great way of parenting is to parent with humor. But, I guess my but anyway, back to my Super Bowl moment. It would probably be to win a Grammy. Um I don't know. What else would there be?
0: I mean that's a pretty big That's a big one. That's a really big trophy. That would be
1: a big honor for me.
0: But it's an attainable one.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'm getting ready to go back in the studio in February. Um I'm gonna have Don Was produce the album, and so he's a—he's produced everybody from the Rolling Stones to Bonnie Raitt to John Mayer. He's huge, and I recently did a TV show, um, to honor Charlie Daniels, and mm-hmm. so he was the bass player in the house band. Oh and wow! He was also leading the band, and so we did the first day of rehearsal, and then the next day I came in, and he said, "Sarah," and he called me over. And I was like, yes. He was. I listened to your album Words last night. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, it is, I can't remember the word he used, but he was so, I mean, I, I almost fainted. I was like, thank you so much. And I called Avery and I'm like, Don Waz just said my, you know, album is amazing. And he was like, oh my God, he has to produce your next record. So I went to the show the next day, the actual recording of the TV show. And I said, Don, will you produce my record? And he was like, done. We shook hands on stage.
0: Wow. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So
1: we're going to go in in February and um, start tracking. So
0: what's most important for you in that album? Because correct me if I'm wrong, right? But words, that was like, I, I saw that you said that was, you think, your best work so far, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what is what is next? Like, what is more that you want to... I think okay. I just want to
1: do... Um... <sighs> I want this album to be different. I want it to be a little bit more kind of stripped down, maybe some more bluegrass elements to it because I actually started in bluegrass when I was really little. That's how I learned to sing. Um, So I'd like for it to have a lot of those elements like banjo and dobro and lots of fiddle and, um, you know, maybe cover some really cool songs, but just kind of see what happens with Don and I in the studio. And, Um, but I'm thinking it will definitely be more rootsy. Words was kind of, um, pretty pop. Mm -hmm. And so I think with the next one, I'm kind of feeling a more rootsy vibe.
0: What, what's the message that you would want to get out with this next album more than anything?
1: I just think, you know, I always want to be respected in whatever I do. I want to be respected. I never want to do anything that, that's cheesy or that, gives me, we have a phrase in our family that we say sweaty back that like embarrassing, (laughs) like, you know, you ever get sweaty back like when something's making you so uncomfortable or you feel stupid. Um, I never want to do that. I want to be proud of everything I do. So I just want to try to do a better record than words. I want to try to keep getting better all the time. Do you
0: feel, do you feel like you're sort of searching for that recognition? like that, that. Yeah, because something. of the
1: way country music is right now. It's so annoying. And so I sort of want to be like you know, screw you and your bro country and I'm just going to keep making great music and you know, if you're not going to play this kind of music then that's your loss. Mm-hmm. But I I want the respect of my peers and other artists and other musicians and and most importantly, you know, my family and my
0: fans. Your family seems awesome, and Thank I think you. that I would like to be your neighbor. But then We so, would have so much fun. <laughs> we would. Your holidays must be
1: amazing. They are, yeah. They're, they're crazy. Um, there was one year where we decided that we would ask Santa Claus for a bike for every single person in the family. So <laughs> when the kids woke up on Christmas morning, there were nine bikes in the living room. Oh, my. That is yeah. amazing. We always try to do fun stuff like that. You know? And, of you- course, the
0: elves come out. The Elf on the Shelf. Elf on the Shelf. Um, do you sing "Happy Birthday to Jesus"? We, we don't. do that. We do that in our family. I love that. Yeah, and my, my grandparents, my father's parents started it, and it, when I was younger, I used to be like, "What the heck is going on?" And then, and it became such an awesome tradition. It's I love a Christmas that. Eve thing. Yeah, that's a great idea. It is. It's really nice. But, yeah, um,
1: yeah. I funny. became a born again Christian when I was twenty one, and so my faith is really really mm-hmm. important to me, and. But we're not big church goers. Um, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of organized religion, but I'm a huge fan of Christ.
0: Yep. Awesome, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank this you. This was so much fun. This was so fun. Seriously. Good luck in all your endeavors. Thank and you. Next you too. time we should get Jay and have that. a conversation too, and and I want to hear his take on on the music side of things, right?
1: Oh my gosh. He's got a lot. He, he offers a lot of unwanted,
0: unsolicited (laughs) advice about my music. (laughs) I'm going to go write down all your parenting tips and check back in. Okay. You know,
1: Just make sure you don't threaten anything that'll break your heart
0: later. (laughs) I know. Now I'm thinking about all like the Lightning McQueen toys and everything. Yeah. Um, No, seriously. Thank you. Thank you. The show tonight was awesome. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you win the Grammy. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. What a fun conversation with Sarah Evans. Thank you so much to this week's guest, Sarah. So appreciate her doing this. Uh, And thank you also to the Birchmere for hosting us. It was such a great time. It's so great to be back. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other tremendous episodes of Players. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And do not forget to leave a review, please, while you're there, and then tell, like, 500 of your friends to go ahead and leave reviews. That would be awesome. Thank you so much to the folks at Cadence. especially adam and uh, bobby t for their production work and thank you of course to my sponsors stitch fix love the box that just arrived and third love please support them the way they support this podcast see you soon